Good morning. Our first reading this morning comes from the book of Job in the first chapter. We pick up in verse 1. Hear these words. There once was a man who lived in the land of Uz, whose name was Job. That man was blameless and upright, who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He had seven thousand sheep, three thousand camels, five hundred yoke of oxen, five hundred donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. His sons used to go and hold feasts in one another's houses in turn, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the feast days had run their course, Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This is what Job always did. Our second reading comes again from the book of Job in the first chapter. We jump ahead a few verses and pick up in verse 13. Here, this is just after God has had a conversation with, as we read in the scriptures, the word Satan. Here, we see Job's life change. Hear these words. One day, when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the eldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing, the donkeys were feeding beside them, and the Sabines fell on them and carried them off and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came and said, The Caldans formed three columns and made a raid on the camels and carried them off and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came and said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came across the desert, struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they are dead. I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell on the ground and worshipped. He said, Naked I come from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with any wrongdoing. Today we begin a new six-week series on the book of Job. This, this series, as we go through the book of Job, is designed to allow us to hear the encouraging words and the comfort by God provided to those who experience difficult challenges in life. And we know we live in a hurting world, a world filled with suffering and brokenness. 
And here within these pages of the story of Job, we will hear of suffering occurring. But we also may be reminded of the comfort that God can give in the midst of all of this. We will also explore that very question. Why, why does suffering have to exist in this world? Why do those we love, care for, and know have to experience suffering? The truth is, Job's story is often, for many of us, our story. And yet, in the midst of pain and suffering, we can be reminded, we should be reminded, to trust God, to have faith in our Creator, our Redeemer, our Rock. And so we begin this journey with Job. Now, the first question we need to understand is, who is Job? Who is this individual? Now, Job, we heard at the beginning, was a man who lived in the land of Uz. Now, Uz itself is a land that's far removed from Israel. He's not living in Israel. He's not living near Jerusalem. He's not part of the faith community. He lives in a land far removed from where the Israelites are. Job himself is believed to be a non-Israelite. Yet the truth we know is that he was after God's heart. He was righteous and blameless in the sight of God. Verse 1, it says that this man was blameless and upright. He feared God and he turned from evil. He avoided sin in all that he did. And because of this, we begin to hear that he was given seven sons and three daughters, ten children, ten precious gifts have been given to him. This man of great faith, great love for God. One of the things we don't know is, is when this story actually takes place or he, who even wrote this book. The author for theologians is completely unknown. The time period is unknown, yet we know that when Job existed within the ancient world, this story was passed down from one generation to the next. And I like to believe it was passed down because within these pages we begin to hear of the power of suffering. The power of suffering that it has on our lives. So the overall structure to the book of Job, let me spend some time there just for a brief moment, is there are three parts to this book. There is the epilogue, which is the beginning two chapters of the book of Job. It it lays out who Job is, the relationship with God, we begin to see the, the give and take between Job and God. There's, there's the, the completion of the book of Job, the last two chapters. And then within the middle is Hebrew poetry. It's poetry that lays out all of this conversation about suffering. What does suffering mean? Why does suffering have to exist? Especially to someone who is so righteous and blameless. He's lived life so well, yet why does he have to suffer? This book is a conversation between Job and several friends of his. 
he speaks to a friend and there's a dialogue that goes back and forth, a conversation that happens. Every now and then we'll see God speak to Job through these pages. But in all of this, we see two main questions that exist in the center of this book. Number one, is God just? Is God truly a just God? And in that, then does God run the world, the universe, his creation, on a principle of justice? These are the two central questions that exist within the book of Job. Yet I also like to think that it also begins to explore that question that a lot of us wrestle with at one point or another in our lives. Whether because we have experienced pain and suffering or whether we see someone going through it, we ask the question, why? Why do they have to go through what they're going through? Why do they have to struggle day in and day out? Why did they have to lose someone they loved and cared for so dearly so soon? Why did that family have to lose a child? Why did that wife have to lose her husband? Why did they lose their job? These are all questions we wrestle with in this world. Why is there so much violence? Why, why, why? The book of Job, I hate to say, doesn't answer that question. But what it does do is allow us to wrestle with the concept of suffering in this broken world. But most importantly, it will remind you and me and everyone else that God is present in the midst of all of that suffering. In every storm that we go through, God is there. He never leaves. So as we begin to break down this chapter in this book of Job, we start at the beginning. Chapter 1. And when we begin to see a picture of who Job is, because it's important to understand this man. As I said a moment ago, he was blameless. He was upright. He followed God in all he did and ensured that his faith and his relationship with God were above all else. And he thanked and he praised God for all the gifts he was given. And he was very wealthy. There's no question of his wealth. We see this in verse 2, 3, 4. All of these verses, it begins to paint the picture of a wealthy Man, someone who society at that time would have looked up to, would have respected. He had been given so, so much. 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, and many servants. This man, it says, was the greatest of all the people of the East. If this man... If Job was the greatest of all the people, he had been given so much, nothing can fall to him. He'll never suffer, will he? Yet there was a thing that happened in Job's life. His children, a gift from God, a gift from God, would go and hold feasts. 
Now, we must understand these feasts were not a, a, a picnic party in the afternoon in the backyard. It, it wasn't, wasn't even a, a party on a Saturday night where there would be drinking and laughing and even maybe a little trouble would happen. No, these were days and weeks long. The sons would be, would be so intoxicated they would invite even their sisters in. And that, that in that society and that time, for us may not be a big deal, but for them that was huge. How dare they invite their sisters to party with them? Because we have to remember in society during the period of when this may have taken place, women were seen as lowly as slaves. And in fact, in some, some Eastern cultures in the Mediterranean, women, especially unmarried women, were seen even lower than slaves. And yet these brothers invited them in to celebrate with them, to party with them. Job would see this and it would probably break his heart. He knew how to help. He would cleanse them. He would wipe away this great sin that they would cause each time they celebrated. He would even fall to God on his knees and thank God, not just for the gifts, but he would say to them, God, they curse you in their hearts. They have sinned mightily. But I come to you with faith, love, that you will restore them again. He would atone for their sins, giving gifts to God. It sets a scene up of a man who loved God over everything else, even truly over his children. But he would go to God and ask for forgiveness and say, Lord, I'm sorry, but please, Forgive my children for their sins. And God would wipe away that sin over and over again. His faithfulness continued on and never wavered. Now we, we jump ahead to verse 13. We begin to hear how the world around Job collapses in an instant. A messenger came to Job and said, The ox were plowing, the donkeys were feeding, now they are no longer there. They are gone. The servants that were with them are all dead. Another comes. And he says, the fire of heaven has destroyed all of your sheep. They are gone. Another shows up. And says, your camels, they too are now gone. They too are gone, and the servants with them are also no longer. All three of these moments, there's one thing that runs through them. Someone is spared to tell the story to Job. To go to Job and say, this is what has happened. You have lost now all of your wealth. All of those gifts that God had given you are gone. You now have nothing. Now for Job at this point, I'm sure he's thinking, well, I may not have any of my wealth, but I still have my family. And then a great wind arises, and it takes that from him too. 
the house in which his family were in, his children, falls in and kills all of them too. One escapes and comes to Job and says, this is all gone as well. I can only imagine the suffering that fell upon Job's heart. How easy would it have been for him to shake his fists at the heavens and curse God and say, why would you let this happen? Why would you allow God suffering to fall upon me? I have done everything right. I have followed you. I have prayed to you. I have gone to church. I have given to you. I have done everything you asked. And yet, this still happens to me. How can it happen to me? How often do we, whether it's ourselves or someone we know and love, see the suffering they go through and wonder, why do they have to go through? They're so good. They're such nice people. Yet they have to go through this. They have to suffer. Why? It makes no sense at all. And the truth is, whether it has impacted us or whether we see it on the news or we hear about it in our community, suffering and brokenness exists all around us. And it breaks us down. And it causes us to question, does God really exist? If God existed, why would any of this happen? This is our natural reaction to brokenness, to pain, to suffering. And yet, we don't see Job do this. Because Job could very easily have done this. But instead, we see that he tears his clothes off. He shaves his head and he falls to the ground and he worships his God. He says to God, naked I came into this world and naked I shall return to you, Lord. Lord, you gave to me gifts and Lord, you have taken them away, but blessed be your name. Now, one of the things that I want to point out in that statement that Job makes is he kind of acknowledges and he says, God, it is you who have caused the suffering. It is you, Lord, who gave me all these great gifts and it is you, Lord, who saw fit to take them all away. Now, you can li live into that and you can read as that is, but one of the things I want to point out is that God does not create suffering. Suffering exists because of evil in our world, of brokenness. Sometimes we do bring that on ourselves, but in a lot of cases, it just happens and there's no explanation behind it. But what we truly can take away from this is what Job does. He falls to the ground, to his knees, not to shake his fist at God, not to curse God and say, God, why would you allow this to happen? But he does this because of his love and his faith in God. Because he knows that God, God will be present. Some will take an opportunity such as this and they will say, well, you know, you wouldn't be suffering if you weren't such a sinner. If you would just repent of your sins, then all that suffering you go through will just go away. 
It will just wipe away. And I think we have to be careful of this. Job could have easily said, well, my, my children, had they not partied all they did, if they had not sinned so much, well, then they would still be here with me. If, if they had just done this, then that would not have happened. And we can easily fall into that trap. And for a lot of us, we do every now and then fall into that trap of saying, well, if they didn't sin, if that group over there wasn't such, a, such, such a broken people, well, then none of it would happen to them. And we have to be careful because we then turn, we turn something, we turn suffering into a weapon instead of turning suffering into a time of grace. You see, this first chapter, which sets up the rest of the book of Job, is a reminder that all of us are not immune to suffering. None of us. Here is a righteous man. Here is an individual who followed and continues to follow God, even in the face of when everything he has is taken away. Even the clothes on his back are gone. And yet he still turns to God in thanksgiving and praise. Whether you have experienced suffering yet or not, whether you experienced it in the past and have journeyed through it, the truth is suffering will continue to happen for us. And it's nothing that any of us want to happen. We do not want to see any of our friends, those whom we love and care for, struggle. Yet the sad reality is it does. But we must have faith. We must remain true to the center which is God of our lives. Job opens up and tells us this. tells us that we may not understand why suffering exists. We may not understand why someone who seems to be so much better than us has to struggle so much. But in all this, verse 22 says, Job did not sin, nor did he charge God with any of this wrongdoing. He just thanked God for remaining by his side. He just thanked God for staying with him even in the midst of that storm. In the book of Psalms, there's a writing that David wrote. It was a combination of two of his psalms. And in it, he praises God for being with him as his enemies chased him down. David, another man after God's heart. A man who did a lot of wrong things and could have continued on that path, but recognized at one point in his life God was with him even when he sinned. And he praised God for that love that he gave to him. And my hope for us as we journey through this book as we journey in this world that's broken and struggling, is that we will recognize that God is present in the midst of all of it. 
in the midst of storms that we can see coming or can't see coming, in the midst of storms that we wish would just go away and end, even in the midst of times of great glory, in all of it, God is there present with us. And in that we can thank and praise God. Because within this book, whether it's through David, whether it's even through the disciples, whether it's through Job himself, May we, may you and I be reminded that God shall never forsake us, shall never abandon us, even in the midst of a great storm, even in the midst when we ask the question, why does suffering have to exist?